This is a Poets and Writers page one author reading. To hear more, visit us at pw.org forward slash multimedia or at soundcloud.com forward slash poets and writers. Acting Badly in a Traditional Manner, October 1, Friday, Homestead, Iowa. Dear Mr. Robbins, I heard about your death long afterward when Neil opened my apartment door with his key and sat at the kitchen table, looking down, looking at the design in the wood and talking to me in a low voice. The kitchen is in the back where the sunlight is blocked by the other apartment buildings, so I pulled the cord to the ceiling light. I had been at the sink washing the dishes and I had spread the dish towel across the handle of the stove to dry, hearing your son shut the door behind him as if he had come home for the evening, as if it had been hours, not months, since I had seen him. The dust of the road was in his clothes and hair. He took only the glass of water I offered him. We sat under the radius of light and grieved. His entire body seemed dulled in shock, his yellow hair even under the light colorless. He told me you had died quite suddenly, as if hit by a poleaxe, he said, in the night, while finding your way down the hall. To what errand no one would know. I counted discreetly on my fingers and you were 65 and I could not understand that. Everything about you was expansive and full as if your life was always a pleasure to you. I sat with Neil and tried to understand that I would not see you again. You were so present sitting in a restaurant or in your house on the Jersey Shore or in your club and you seemed to have arrived there from somewhere inexplicable, somewhere beyond the quantitative. You were to me a figure of romance of the imagination, as I believe Neil wanted to be, like you. Over the years, Neil told me about you in ways that seemed both casual and measured, as if too much detail would interfere with his idea of you. He dropped a few year words about your having been a bush pilot in Alaska, then about the dairy farms you bought in upstate New York after taking your money out of the stock market in a scornful commentary on the Carter presidency. A stock market, Neil hinted, that you otherwise played like the master you were. I learned years after meeting Neil that he grew up in Stamford, Connecticut, and so you and Mrs. Robbins must have owned a home there, raised your two sons there. But I think Neil saw you as detached from any fixed point, as he wanted to be, and so the details of your life he offered me were scarce, though always a revelation. I know this too, you had a generous mind, I think you were always trying to tell me something with that generosity. I think about the time you and Mrs. Robbins took Neil and me to Café des Artistes for dinner and afterward for a walk across Central Park South to have a coffee at the park room. At Café des Artistes, you ordered the blue crab for me and a glass of wine. In the park room, you had the waitress bring berries and cream. As we walked after dinner, there were the lights of cabs and cars of the great buildings, the hush of the evening falling beyond the walls of the park, a street light illuminating a branch of leaves along a pathway. Were you telling me that the world you inhabited was this, the pleasures of each dying day intimated in the falling darkness, full of distant sounds? Neil, sitting with me again under the circle of light, said in the tone of a confession that he never thought he could live without you. He seemed quietly lost after having returned from saying goodbye to you, than to sit again in my kitchen, struggling to find a way without you. Today, this first day of October, in a little town in Iowa that hardly bears naming, let alone describing, a muted light informs brown fields and the windbreak of cedars. 
I boarded a bus from Manhattan, having been granted a two-week leave from the agency where I work. I am using it to run away from your son, whom I have known for 12 years, and who is driving, as I write to you, his third-hand Dodge on I-80 toward the Great Plains. I owe this headlong dispatch across the interstate to you, or to your dying at least, because Neil told me that with your passing, he realized that family is the true core of a person's life. He still didn't look at me across the kitchen table, but I felt something shift in the way we thought about each other, and I would ha not get up from my chair, as I should have, to hold him as he mourned you. But he seemed then ready to only to respond to his own pain. He was distant as if a messenger of his own wounded life, too amazed in the telling of it to use anything but the herald's flat and personal voice, which had been awakened in the shock of your death to the need for some constancy in the elaborate disorder of life's design.